from MPB Think Radio. This is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week. So today the doors of the pet hospital are wide open. If you have a pet question that needs to be answered, we'll let Dr. Major give you some help. Cat people, dog lovers, and everybody in between, this is your free vet visit, and you don't need insurance. Also, if you have any general wildlife experiences, you can always call and share as well. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 Or send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week. We'll be back on the show with us next week. So today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. If you have a pet question that needs to be answered, Dr. Major is here to help you out. Cat people, dog lovers, and everyone in between, this is your free vet visit and we don't even charge insurance. Uh, also, if you have any general wildlife experiences that you'd like to call in and share with us, we always appreciate those as well. The number to call to join the conversation is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Send an email to animals at org. Comforts airs twice each week, Thursday mornings at 9, with a repeat broadcast Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope that you're doing well today. Good morning. Doing very good. Thank you. Uh, Java pointed out to me, and I heard heard this as well, that Cinta, uh, a Sumerian tiger, uh, died at the Hattiesburg Zoo recently. It said it stopped eating and drinking. And um, I guess that zoos do a good job to try to make animals feel at home and comfortable and that sort of thing. But I would imagine there's a little bit of extra stress for animals that are at a zoo, and that might have had maybe something to do with it. Right. But, you know, people uh, at the zoo, I haven't heard anything definitively about this, but uh, I don't know how old the tiger was and uh, whether or not it had medical conditions. A lot of times as they get older, certainly kidney failure could be a, uh, big issue uh, with exotics and with our own house cats and house dogs. But I'm just saying that I don't know the details, so maybe somebody in Hattiesburg does and could share that with us. But uh, that there is stress, but in most cases where uh, an animal's been there for several years, mm-hmm. I doubt if that was the main factor mm-hmm. for this cat's demise. And obviously, for our pets, if if they suddenly stop eating or drinking or any kind of major uh, uh, than their habits, I know that's one thing that you ask folks when they call in a lot. So that's certainly something that would that you wouldn't want to put off. Absolutely, and sometimes it's almost like seasonal. And I, I was commenting on that at the clinic yesterday. Uh, more dogs had stopped eating. It wasn't just like there was necessarily anything wrong, but they weren't eating as much as they used to do, whether it has something to do with the season, uh, even house dogs. But I'm just saying there were a lot of animals that seemed like just had, didn't have a desire to eat, but they will start eating again. Uh, and But it's observationally, not scientifically, but observationally, there were many more in the last two days that uh, had stopped eating and for no apparent reason. Hmm. Also, um, as most of you might know, if you listen to Creature Comforts, I'm a cat owner, and my cat, uh, when he eats, seems to drop more food on the floor than he actually gets in his mouth. So I'm wondering if that's just him or if cats are kind of sloppy eaters when it comes to their chows. So if you're a cat uh, person and you want to call in today and let me know that, that will help me decide how weird my cat actually is. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Bo, Bo is not a fastidious cat, and he may be doing that just to get to get at you. Uh most cats are fairly uh, neat eaters, but uh, I think the biggest biggest problem we have with most of our cats is they start 
pushing stuff out of their litter box makes it worse. <laughs> but as far as eating, I'm not sure why he's dropping food out. Uh, I know some dogs that do that as well. Well, and on that uh, point, the good part is his his litter habits are very good and have had not had any sort good. of problem with that there at all. That's most important. Yes. <laughs> Got some calls on the line to get to, so why don't we start off first in Braxton, as we say good morning to Mary. Hello, Mary. You're on the air. Hello. Hi, Mary. How are you folks? Good. I am not usually uh, up and around at this time of morning. I'm a uh, night owl. But this morning I was up and I was out on the porch and I saw a bird that looked in shape and almost in size of a cardinal, but it was black and it had um, a sign from the side. It looked like a orange patch right above uh, where the uh, leg joined the body. Okay. It's sort of in front of it. Uh, it was an interesting bird. What was his What was his beak like? What did it look like? Could you see that close? Yeah, he was quite a distance away, and okay. I, my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. I did not notice. He was on the ground and uh, uh, pecking on the, whatever was there that he liked. Was he dark black or light light black? Dark, dark black. Right. I'm going to have to defer on that one just based on what you're saying. I, maybe somebody listening can give us a call and, and help with that. All but, right. Uh, I'm glad you're out observing uh, birds early. Uh, you get up early, you can really hear a lot this time of year. They mm-hmm. they really are singing uh, quite a yeah. bit early in the morning. All right, Mary, thank you for your call. I listen to them, listen to them sing, when they sing while I'm listening to you folks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, Mary, good to hear from you. Thanks for the call. I also agree with that. I know sometimes even before I wake up, uh, before my alarm goes off in the morning, you can hear the birds outside my a window chirping away. So they certainly do get an early start. I'll say that much. Right. Let's uh, continue on. Next, we're going to go to Pearl and say good morning to Dee. Hello, Dee. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I am interested in having a, uh, well, I need to have a service dog. And I tried having a um, a chocolate lab, but she was, too strong for me. Yes, I'm in a wheelchair, and uh, I was ended up breaking my elbow, oh. and I don't need to have another broken elbow, but I need a dog that can open the door to my apartment. Yes, ma'am. Is it, have you got a suggestion on a smaller dog do you have, that would right. be able to open the door? Do you have a latch-type door? Uh, a no, lever. We just would need to pull it, but it's a, you know how door outside doors are heavy. Yes, ma'am. That's the way it is. It's a real heavy door. I would uh, think in terms of maybe getting a little bit smaller dog than a lab, uh, something uh, a dog that's maybe mature already, and uh-huh. uh, I would discuss this with uh, uh, basic rescue group. A lot of the a lot of times they'll have a dog that would work for that. So, in other well, words, you're talking about you, got, you would like where I got the lab was from a rescue. Yes, ma'am. And uh, but she was just too strong for me. How old was she? Two years old. You know, labs are the perfect dog. After about three years, uh, they settle down and, and they are strong. Uh, and it, I understand your dilemma. So you're wanting a dog that could actually, if you turn the latch. The dog would have be able to grab a hold of a rope or something like that and pull the door open. Is that right? Well, there's not even a latch. Okay. It's just a matter of pulling the rope. I understand what you're saying. Uh, good luck to you. I'll keep that in mind if I find a dog or if hear from somebody. I'll definitely, if you can leave your uh, email or number, uh, we can get back with you. Uh, you can do that off the air. Be fine. Okay. Uh, or, D, uh, if you have email access, you could send one to animals 
at mpbonline.org. My other suggestion, too, would be to possibly go back uh, to the rescue folks that helped you get the first dog and see if they can't work with you uh, to maybe find a dog that's a little smaller but still uh, meets the needs that you have. So we appreciate your call. And, again, it's animals at mpbonline.org is the email address. I do have a cat at home that can open doors, but that's not a good deal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep the doors locked or she will she will literally open them, and that's not good. Good luck to you. All righty. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio and All Pet Day. So if you have a question for Dr. Major, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Again, if you're a cat owner, uh, let me know if your cat is as messy an eater as mine is. <laughs> Let's go next to Paris. Cynthia is on the line. Good morning, Cynthia. Go ahead. Well, good morning. I was wanting to ask a question about Comfortis and those type pills that take care of fleas. And yes, ma'am. For months. Do you think that there might be a kidney type problem associated with that over years of use? That's a good question. I've not read anything that would indicate that. Of course, if you go online and look at blogs, it can cause anything from kidney failure to death to whatever. You know, you get all these things online. You have to take those with some degree of discernment. Uh, I know of no dogs that have had kidney failure with that. On the other hand, there may be cases of it. We know that Comfortis should not be given to dogs that have seizures. Uh, good to remember that. Uh, it can doesn't cause seizures, but basically would potentiate a seizure. There are other uh, types, if you'd like to switch to some different types of uh, uh, flea control, uh, there's several out there. You can look, talk to your vet- veterinarian about it. Uh, one of the ones that seems to be at the forefront right now is Brevecto, uh, B-R-A-V-E-C-T-O. I'm not advertising for them, but it does seem to work well. And then there are quite a few topicals that also work well. So uh, talk to your vet about it, and hopefully, you know, I, I would say there's nothing wrong with switching. Just switch to something that works. That's the main thing. And we know Comfortis does work pretty well. Yes, it does. Well, I appreciate it so much, and I enjoy the show. Thank Um, you. All right. Thank you, Cynthia. Thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, looks like we've got some more calls uh, lining up, but we also have some open phone lines. So if you have a question about your pet today, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more Creature Comforts after this. member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Last week was ugly for baseball. Fans in Boston yelled racist things at a player and a performer. Now people are wondering, were those isolated events or is something bigger going on? Are these individuals simply the latest manifestation of the much wider problem in American society? I'm Kelly McEvers. Hate speech at the ballpark this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email animals at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Radio. 
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here today with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out of the town this week, or off the show this week, I should say, so that's why we're having a pet day. So if you have a question about your pet, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're off to Brandon next. Howard is on the line. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, I've got I've got a, uh, a question about cats and Bordetella, but before I get to that, I wanted to talk about the bird the lady was uh, describing. Yes. yes. I, I didn't hear the description completely, but if it was a charcoal gray bird with a dark red underneath about where the legs join on the chrism area, that sounds to me like a cat bird. Okay. Cer- certainly right. could be. I didn't know that she said red. Was it red or yellow? She said. I thought she had said orangish. So yes. maybe okay. so maybe red is in between. Uh, yeah. Well, it's 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 a, right. it's a very strange red. Some right. folks might call it a really really burnt orange, but right. um, okay. well, I, I call it Rufus personally. But there you are. <laughs> good point. Thank you for uh, your information. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> our cats developed a cough. We have a we have a dog that uh, goes to the kennel regularly when we go out of town and and the kennel of course uh, expects her to be vaccinated against bordetella uh, while she's there so that's great Uh, on one of the one of the and the vaccination i understand lasts for quite some time perhaps a year or so something like that and so the dog is protected for quite a while after leaving the kennel we took the dog on a trip uh, and visited my sister who has uh four dogs, one of whom is coughing like crazy all the time. Uh, we brought the dog, ba- our dog back home, and of course uh, it shows no signs whatsoever of having contracted the, the cough. But the cat is coughing like crazy. Right. And I'm just wondering if cats are susceptible to Bordetella, and if it's reasonable to think that a vaccinated dog may have exposed her after being exposed itself to, uh, to another dog that has Bordetella. Right. Well, you know, and that's a good question. It's very difficult to pin it down. There are many different types of uh, reasons why dogs cough. The vaccine is probably the best that's available. I don't know which one that you were using, but there it doesn't cover all bases, just like our flu vaccines don't cover all the different types. And that's one of the problems. Now, whether or not your uh, relatives dog had what we call kennel cough. Kennel cough is kind of a bad name simply because there are other reasons why dogs cough. They don't have to go to a kennel. But uh, it is important to vaccinate. I would differ on the length of immunity from the Bordetella vaccines. Probably more like six months. If you're going to be boarding your dog regularly, I think it needs to be vaccinated every six months. As far as the cat getting it, I think that would be a stretch was to say that the cat had picked up something from a vaccinated dog that, uh, you know, had been around a dog that was coughing. Probably something different. And I think you'd be wise to get the cat in to your vet and have the cat checked. Well, we, we, we've we done that, and they've come up with nothing on it. Okay. So, uh, right. and she seems to be doing fine other than the fact that this, this cough just kind of bothers us. That, yes. That she, she's not well somehow. Is she strictly inside? No. Okay. Is she a hunter? Uh, she doesn't bring things back. Uh, so uh, she started off life as a completely outside right. cat, but that was long before she developed a cough. Yes. And I, she only she only came inside when we moved to another state and kept her inside long enough for her to realize she had a new home. Right, and there are a lot of reasons why a cat could cough, could cough as well. Some of it might have to do with hunting. I hate to start looking for zebras when it might be a horse type thing. I know what you're <laughs> saying. You understand what I'm saying here. Uh, you start looking for the things that are rare, and I would have to say that uh, I'm not sure what's going on with this cat. We've seen cats cough that uh, get a basically a lung parasite from eating crawfish. Uh, and that can be fairly, uh, what should I say, fairly uh, serious, but we see it very, very rarely. So good luck to you, and I sure hope the cat gets better. All right. You take care. 
Howard, thanks for the call. I like that. Uh, looking for a zebra when it's actually a horse. That's a good uh, saying. Well, I'm going to have to remember that one. Right. When you hear hoofbeats, uh, probably better to look for the most uh, common thing as opposed to something that's very exotic. <laughs> uh, we've got Anna uh, from Oxford on the line next. Go ahead, Anna. Good morning. Morning. I was. I also have another uh, cat question. My cat, Cricket, has had a history of urinary tract problems which I hear is fairly common for mostly indoor cats. Um, but my question is about the specialized food that she was placed on after her um, first few vet trips. Is there a less expensive option for the prescription food? Um, I know that it has to do with crystals in the urine and things like that, but I was just wondering if there's a generic kind of food that I could use instead. Right. It is expensive, and of course, if you have multiple cats and you have to feed several of them, I understand how that could be very expensive. Uh, dietary uh, control is one of the best ways to help with urinary tract infections in cats. Uh, I would look at the, uh, and a lot of it has to do with the ratio of magnesium, phosphorus, calcium, the minerals that are in the food. I would look at what you're feeding and then see if you can find a more generic food that would approximate the percentages that they give for uh, those those figures, magnesium primarily. Okay. So uh, there are foods that are less ex- – I don't know if you're feeding prescription diet or science diet, but there yeah. are foods that are less expensive. So do some research, and probably you can find one that will work well. Okay. So I'm looking for low magnesium on the ingredient list, right? Right, and it's a ratio. Uh, look at your uh, look at your feed that you're feeding now. Figure the ratio, okay, and see if you can find something of a comparable uh, ratio. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, Anna. Before I let you go, though, uh, a cat question. Now, does your cat uh, tend to drop his food out of the bowl, or is he a fairly neat eater? Well, she. She. Is, sorry. I, I, I adopted her as an adult, and so she doesn't let her food get away for very long. <laughs> so okay. she, she's pretty quick about about her food. Okay. Very good. All right, Anna, thanks for the call. Uh, let's, hey, Kevin, uh, yeah. um, before we go to the next call, we actually had a caller call in and say, maybe your cat is just trying to tell you which part of the food she likes and which part she doesn't like. <laughs> well, that's well, that's interesting because I maybe this isn't the right thing to do, but I scrape it back up and put it in the bowl so it eventually gets eaten one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and most, most of the, what should I say, quality cat foods are all the same color, same size. So, however, there are some that have multiple colors, which usually that color is dictated by dyes, mm-hmm. which I don't really recommend feeding the ones that have a lot of dye in them to change the color. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that your cat does. She's just trying to get attention. Yeah. He is. All right. Uh, we uh, Mary had called in the, early this morning on the show and was trying to identify a, a bird. We've had one suggestion of being a cat bird. Uh, we've got another suggestion from an emailer here who thinks it might be a rufous-sided or eastern towhee. Right. I'm not a bird person, but right. uh, the picture attached to this looks like it could be this. Depends really on how much uh, red there is on right. the body, that orange-red color. Right. Uh, but, uh, Mary, hope you're still listening. Got a couple of uh, bird IDs for you, and I think uh, the best way to do would be to go online and search the bird names and see if they look similar to what you were seeing uh, this morning around your house. The towhees are kind of neat. They, uh, You don't really see them a lot because they get under shrubs and brush and this sort of thing, and they they work in under there looking for insects and uh, different things that they eat. Hmm. But they are a beautiful bird, and that may be what she saw, depending on whether it's a male or a female. Mm -hmm. And, you know, interesting. All right. Uh, Next, we're going to go to Aberdeen as we say good morning to George. Hi, George. You're on the air. Uh, Thank you. I have uh, one question, but two questions. I er heard earlier you were talking about the... uh, dogs not eating and something happened and i didn't hear your response is there any reason that they're not eating like normal gosh you know you can get into all kind of things as far as seasonal changes this sort of thing uh the dogs that uh basically that uh clients were talking about uh there was nothing really wrong with them but i noticed that my dog she's about 90 pounds and uh she kind of stopped eating for a day or two she's eating fine now 
Well, I noticed it in my dog as well. Monday, she didn't eat it. You know, she normally scarfs down her food in just a moment. And Monday, she ate about half of it and left half of it there and came back later. And and yesterday, she did the same thing. Uh, just normally, she's not like that. That is strange. You know, we can get off on a tangent and say it's the phase of the moon. <laughs> Uh, the season of the year, the Russians or somebody else, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I can answer that question. Other than it was interesting that multiple pet owners were telling me that this week. Well, then I'm not going to uh, spend the money to take mine to the vet until I've waited several more days. Right, unless you. Right, unless, unless your dog has vomiting, diarrhea, and not eating something like that. Definitely get her on into the vet. But if she's acting normal and just not eating as well, give her a day or two. Okay? She seems to be perfectly healthy. Yeah. Now, the question I was I called about was that she has this peculiar behavior. She's a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old Brittany. Right. And this time of year when the turtles and tortoises are out in the yard, she will, I mean, she will hunt them down, and you can literally watch her track where it has been <laughs> by smell until she gets to it. And when she gets to it, she almost never barks on it, and she will she will bark a little bit, and she'll she'll circle it, and then she'll ultimately pick it up, and very proudly carry it out of the the wooded area that she's at to where it's grassy, and, and drop it, and then she'll roll around on it, and roll around it, <laughs> and make these noises that that are just so you can just tell that she just it feels so good, or either feels good, or or, or smells good, or something. And then she'll, you know, get up and, and happily pick it up again and bring it to the door. She knows she can't bring it inside, so she drop it before she gets to the door. But is that is that a common thing for dogs to do, or is I've never seen anything like that? It's a little unusual. Uh, we do see dogs, of course, that that will chew on a box turtle. I'm sure it was a tortoise you're talking about now, the uh, small box type tortoise, I would think. Yeah, the, there were several of them. Right, several and. Uh, <laughs> We do have some some dogs that will actually damage the carapace, you know, dam- damage the tortoise shell. Uh, and usually I recommend getting the turtles out of the yard if possible. But in this case, it sounds like she's not damaging. She's just having a, a good time. Except for the turtle waking up in an entirely different location. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I don't know how I don't know how the turtles feel about this whole operation. Well, I think they probably would rather be left alone. But at the same time, sounds like she's, you know, not hurting them per, per se, but she's actually enjoying uh, yeah. playing with them. Never seen her hurt hurt them in any way. But I just wondered if there was anything unusual about that behavior, if that was common behavior. I'd but say it's pretty. Uh, narrowly personalized for her, but uh, I see nothing wrong with it. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, George, for calling in today. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's a pet day with Dr. Troy Major. We need to take another break. When we get back, got some calls on the line, but some open phone lines as well. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more creature comforts after this. and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. Or email animals at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. 
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week. She'll be on the show next week. So today it is Pet Day. We're looking for your pet questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can also send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We start again on the phone lines in Memphis with Bob on the line. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, sir. Go ahead. I've got three dogs, um, and I have uh, some sort of ear infection in all three. All three of them are shaking their heads all the time, uh, not scratching too much on the ear, but doing a whole lot of shaking of the head. Um, one of them's a large frame lab, one of them's a blue tick hound, and one of them's a small dog. But that's a lot of ears to be flapping around the house all the time. <laughs> sure. So I was one. I was wondering if if it's an ear infection or if it's something else. There's no pain in the ear. I keep I flush them and, and clean their ears. They're clean and everything, but they continue to shake their head. Right. The question question I would have. You know, it sounds like an allergy type situation to be affecting all. Three, of course, it's strange to see allergies that would affect all three. What about the food that you're feeding? What what food do you feed them? Uh, well, I, 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 feed, I have to feed the big ones a, a special food because of his size, and we're worried about his joints and everything, right. a pro-plan pro type. The other ones are just beneficial off the shelf at Walmart. Right, right. That's it's a little bit strange. Do they lick each other's ears? Uh, one of them does. Yeah. One of them licks one of the other one's ears. Right. Sometimes they can spread uh, things, but you're saying the ears are relatively clean. That Rel- relatively right. clean, not red. Um, the the bigger dog at the the lab at one time did have an ear infection with pain and such, and it was treated and such as that, and that's cleared up. But it's still the head shaking is going on. Right. If fleas fleas are under control, that's not an issue. Definitely under control. Right. They take the pills and the uh, yards are treated and all right. of that. It's kind of a strange situation that all three are doing this. And okay. uh, I would say that antihistamine probably would be a good trial to see. Why don't you try one of the dogs on some Benadryl, give okay. it about every three hours, I mean, not every three hours, three times a day. Okay. Uh, based on size, you can, uh, you know, you can, I hate to give dosages over the uh, radio, but you can go up to a milligram uh Per pound for some, some dogs, it may make them drowsy. Okay. But my point would be that uh, I don't know that I can answer this. And okay. there may—is it seasonal? Um, well, it, it may be because it's just come on within right. the last thirty days or so. Right. But I haven't had allergy problems except in one dog, and that's yeah. always been in the fall. Right. But it did come on about a month ago or so. That's interesting. I would suggest maybe using a, a cleaner if you're cleaning the ears, something that has, uh, you can write this down, Tris EDTA and uh, uh, ketoconazole. There could be some yeast infection going on that uh, would require more of a medicated type thing, but don't clean the ears too often. If you clean them too often, I think you can cause more irritation. So uh, good luck to you and it still sounds like there may be an allergy-type thing involved. All right, uh, Bob, thanks for your call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Zach in Boonville. Good morning, Zach. Go ahead. Good morning. How are y'all? We're doing good. All right. I just got a question. Is there anything over the counter that uh, maybe you can spray on an animal or give them to maybe numb it or sedate them? Because I live on a farm, and there's times, you know, where I have to sew an animal back up. Well, there's some real problems, anything over the counter that would work. And uh, I wish I could, you know, give you a better idea. You know, over the counter, you're looking at Dramamine being probably the most uh, uh, commonly used thing, which is still over the counter as far as causing, uh, helping with nausea and that sort of thing. But I don't know of one that's over the counter that you can give that's going to numb it. Okay. All right. What about any kind of cream or anything? Well, if you had a cream that you could use, it would have to have something in it like uh, lidocaine. And uh, I don't think you can get that over the counter. You might be able to. There may be some uh, 
ointments that have lidocaine in it, which is a local anesthetic. So check and see about that. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call, Zach. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Next, we've got Levine uh, from Jackson. Hope to say your first name right. Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Hi. Good morning. First of all, I want to say it's interesting because my dog has done the same thing this week in terms of eating her food. Um, But I don't know. Maybe there's something in the air. But Lucky is 14 years old. Um, She's really hairy and she sheds all the time. So I'm wondering, thinking about shaving her for the summer. Have you done Have you done this before? I have no, no. She's just she's always shedding (laughs) like crazy, but it's gotten worse this last year, and she's panting all the time. The summer's just starting. And she's a lab mix. Yeah, she's a yeah, she's a rescue puppy. I don't really know what uh, she looks like. She's part Labrador. We have. clients that that do shave their shorter haired dogs in other words labs uh use a fairly coarse blade if you do you don't want to get down close to the skin too close uh cause razor burn sometimes the hair does not grow back like it should if you get too close and cause razor burn but, oh, i'm not going to do it i would take her in to have it done i'm just right. i was just trying to find out if it was a good idea well i was saying though that you need Yes, I think it probably is a good idea. There may be another reason why she's panning, though. So I think you need to get her checked out by your vet, okay? Will do. All right. Take care. Thanks for the call. Uh, Let's uh, go next to Fran in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Fran. Good morning. Dr. Major, I need some help. Okay. I bought a a new home out in the country, and I've inherited two mama cats with this. And I need some help or direction on when when to wean and when to start flea treatment on the mothers and the kittens. Thank you. Okay. Do you have a lot of fleas right now? Do they have a lot of fleas? I can't tell. I don't think they're measurable. How old are the, I, how old are the kittens? One, one cat with one kitten it looks to be about six to eight weeks. The others look to be four to five weeks. You know, check your, check them all out. Look at the kittens, especially because the fleas tend to graduate, gra- gravitate to them. Okay. I, w- I would treat the mother cats. I think it'd be safe to treat them uh, no. using revolution. Well, using revolution. Well, okay. if you've got a lot of fleas, you've got to mm-hmm. decide what whether to take the risk. I haven't seen a problem with this uh, okay. in the kittens, but... The fleas can suck blood, and they usually affect the kittens much more than the mother. Okay. And uh, talk to your vet about this revolution, probably with the puppy kitten uh, or the cat uh, revolution would be my uh, best bet for you. Certainly the ones that have the older kittens, that's fine. I mean, you can actually put revolution on those six, seven-week-old kittens. But hopefully you don't have that bad of a flea problem. And uh, I I would encourage you to get those mama cats spayed whenever they wean those kittens. As soon as possible. <laughs> I, understand. <laughs> I understand. We don't need to be de- knee-deep in kittens. All right. Thank you. Fran, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We had someone uh, leave a message or a question uh, wondering about monthly oral medication for flea prevention in cats. Any recommendations? Well, uh, if they want an oral, an oral type medication, uh, I would say that there are some of those available. They can talk to their vet about that. Uh, you got to be careful with cats, and of course, I would think that most people probably move toward a topical mm-hmm. uh, medication for cats. Uh, I mentioned Revolution. Brevecto has a cat uh, a medication advantage. There, there are many others that can be used, but uh, in my opinion, most people do better with uh, a topical rather than oral in the ca- excuse me in the cats. And in that case, I guess too, you got to make sure that you do when the oral they get it kind of right, uh, kind of right up there on the cat's neck, so they can't get to it. Is that right? Right, using uh, the uh, topical mm-hmm. uh, flea control, you want to put it where the cat can lick it. That's the main thing. It's not so much that it's toxic to the cat, but they will literally lick the hair off trying to get it off of themselves, make a spot there. So 
good to put it where they can't turn around and lick it. Okay. Uh, let's get one call before our next break, and it goes to Deborah in Burnsville. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. Go ahead. I have, um, we have moved from the city to the country, and our dogs are up to date on their shots. But yesterday, my dog jumped a raccoon and um, got into a scuffle with it. No one, there was, I checked the dogs, nobody got bitten. There was a lot of saliva and stuff, but I washed them down and everything. We don't have a vet yet. Do I need to take them to a vet or, I mean, no skin was broken. If there are no wounds and their vaccinations are current, uh, I would say that you're probably okay. Uh, there has been an increase in uh, the uh, actual distemper in raccoons this year, possibly due to overpopulation. I don't know if that's totally true. But make sure that since your dogs may come in contact that they stay up on their vaccinations. But, of course. And if you're confident that within the last year that they've had their rabies and that sort of thing, you're probably okay. Okay, super. I appreciate your information. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, get one final break in for this hour. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It is a pet day, so if you have a pet question, we've got some open phone lines for you at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Back with more after this. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's been an all-pet day today. We're looking for your pet questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464. Libby's not on the show this morning, but she did send in an email that said she and her husband have seen again this year the synchronous fireflies. Uh, they've seen them for the last three nights at about 9.30 each night, two to three feet off the ground. They blink fast and in synchronization. It is really incredible. We talked about this last year and got some folks who had seen it as well. Uh, also, Libby reminds folks that uh, next week, uh, next Thursday, uh, the world expert on southern fireflies will be the guest on Creature Comforts. Uh, Lynn Faust is her name. So Libby's uh, saying, you know, go out and check uh, if you live near the woods. Uh, check and see if you see these synchronous fireflies. And if uh, if you do, if you wouldn't mind giving us a report next Thursday when we talk about that on Creature Comfort. So Libby will be back. A little forward promotion for what we're going to be talking about next Thursday. we still got some pet questions on the line. So why don't we continue again in uh, Picayune. Barbara's called in today. Good morning, Barbara. Uh, good morning. Um, I ha- I've had a cat for about three years. Um, she seems to be paranoid about c- coming in and out the front door, particularly. She'll come and she'll she'll she'll. My door is glass, you know, full glass pane door, and she'll come to the door and want to come in. And I open the door and she won't come in. And um, so then she she the the door on the side is the same glass door. She'll come in that door. So what's going on? <laughs> well. That's a good good story. I can't tell you exactly. She's playing you, I think. She's having fun. Uh, but why does she not come in the front door? I don't well, she know. She's very tentative about using that door. She, you know, she looks and sniffs and, and, and she comes, thinks she might, and then she changes her mind. And So she and, comes in readily on the other door? Yeah, no problem. Right. And I got stuff on the floor beside the door there, too, so... 
You don't think anybody slammed the door on her? No, uh, that no, front no, door? no, no, no. But she didn't like the um, doormat I had. She would <laughs> leap over it. She'll go okay. out the front door. She just won't come in. That's interesting. For some reason, she's got a fear type thing. But in general, she's not paranoid about other things, right? No. Okay, no. okay. I would just put up with that. I don't think there's a thing in the world you can do about it. Idiosyncrasy, I guess. Right. right. Thank you for your call. All right, Barbara, good to hear from you. Uh, Let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Charlie in Jackson. Good morning, Charlie. Hey there. How's it going? Uh, Good. Actually, I have a weird question. Um, So I have two dogs. I have a pit bull and I have a husky. Uh, The pit bull's got, like, severe allergies to potato and grain, so she's on, like, weird food for it. And uh, she has an obsession with eating the poop of my other dog, the husky. Uh, <laughs> okay. We, uh, we've we tried, like, everything. We, we read that we could put meat tenderizer on the husky's food, like small amounts, to make the taste of her poop be bad, I guess. But, right. um, yeah, we've been pretty much at a loss. We, we also have her on vitamin supplements because we thought malnutrition yeah. was it. What was the uh, history on the... Uh pit bull what kind of how, how long have you had her uh she's about a little over a year um did you get her as a puppy we got uh, she's a foster that we ended okay. up adopting uh it was a neighbor's dog okay very difficult to correct this problem we do see it my suggestion would be let's don't give the husky the steak tenderizer but actually if you can catch it put it on the poop just okay, like it, actually right. sprinkle it, would, it on. Right, it would be better than giving it uh, to the dog itself. There's yeah, see, that's a, the main thing we were nervous about. Like uh, we were almost wondering if the amount we were giving her was ineffective because, like you know, we really weren't right. trying to hurt her. Sure. You know? The other thing, there is a product called Forbid. You may have tried it. F O R B I D. Uh, your vet should have that. F O R B I D Forbid. That helps in some cases, giving it to uh, probably both dogs. Does this dog eat its own poop? Does a pit bull eat its own poop? No, it does not. Okay. There is something natural about it in a way. A lot of times dogs that have been kenneled or caged, uh, like a pet shop or this sort of thing, or a puppy mill, will start eating it maybe out of boredom. Uh, but there is a natural instinct for uh, even wild animals, wild dogs, to eat the poop. So good luck to you, and I, I keep trying, okay? All right, Charlie, thanks for the call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Richard in Brandon. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a couple of parrots that uh, seem to have loose loose stools. Uh, 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 one is a white belly cack, and the other is a um, female Solomon Island eclectus. I just okay. wondered if there's anything i can do to uh to stop that have you uh both birds have diarrhea yes and have you tried different foods uh i have not no what do you have them on now they're they're eating uh missouri uh parrot maintenance okay well that's a good food definitely uh i would suggest maybe though trying a different one uh if you could uh, the Missouri foods are good. I have no problems with saying that. Uh, yeah. The other thing, if if this has been going on for a while, it might be wise to have a stool culture done. Okay. To be sure what uh, organism, if there is an organism causing it, could could cause this. The birds aren't under stress, are they? They're okay. Yeah. They're not, no, they're not under stress. Right. right. But uh, maybe change the food. There are others that are good foods just to see how they would do. Uh, hopefully that would be, a, you know, a good thing to do. But uh, I can't fault the food that they're on other than the fact there may be something with that with their system that is causing this. So okay. if it doesn't get better, I would have them uh, have a culture done. Okay? All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for your call, Richard. <clears throat> Let's go next. We've got Troy in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Troy. Good morning. How are y'all this morning? Good. I had a story last week. Y'all were telling funny possum stories, so I wanted huh. to tell one about an armadillo when I was a child that was uh, tearing up our yard, and my mom came in the room one night and woke me up and wanted me to hold the light for her. She was going to shoot it. So um, 
actually got outside and I put the spotlight on it and the armadillo raised up on its back legs and put its little paws together and my mom said, Troy, I can't shoot it at praying. <laughs> That's it good. It looked like the thing was praying, even though it probably just had something in its hands eating it. And so uh, anyway, my dad came home, and that was all she wrote. She didn't care whether it prayed or not. But, yeah, that was my funny story from last week. But, okay. All, all right. right. You guys have a good day. Thank you. Thanks for the sh- story, Troy. Nice. That's a nice one there. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Just a couple of minutes left. Uh, Dr. Major, I was, uh, there's a question here um, about microchipping a pet. Has that become even more common now than it was maybe five, ten years ago? Yes, it's been around for a while, but it's very uh, it's a very good way for identification. And we do see occasionally, even at our clinic, where animals are brought in that have chips. And a lot of times they can be reunited with the owner. Uh, the main thing with the chip is to keep it registered with the company that uh, does that you have an initial registration but yeah and they can look back even if you haven't kept registration but it's good to have that because in most cases they will flood the area with uh, lost pet uh, information mm-hmm. vet clinics shelters and that helps in in trying to find your pet and is it generally put in the in the same spot so that vets know where to look for it? It is usually over the shoulders in that area. Uh, it's about the size of a rice grain, maybe a little bit slenderer, and uh, it does usually does not cause any harm to the pet. Sometimes they may migrate or move to a different area, but we do scan the whole front, usually the the chest and and back, just to be sure there's not a chip. And again, so you have a scanner in your office, and again, it would pull up whatever information, and it would be related to who the owner is. Yes, and what you do at the time you get the information, you can contact the uh, particular, uh, there's Home Again, there's Avid, there's several different ones, but you can actually contact them, and they will help you find the owner. All right. And uh, just briefly, we talked about some pets that had allergies. What about uh, owners? Uh, I guess would short-haired pets be usually better? And I guess grooming, uh, good grooming would be important if the owner has some sort of allergy. You know, grooming is important. And in most cases, it's the saliva of the animal Mm -hmm. that uh, causes the problem. The longer-haired animals, it's just more obvious that they have hair that's floating around the house. But if you look at your socks, if you wear socks in the house and you have a short-haired animal, you'll have, have their hair. Uh, and most most pets shed almost continuously. Sometimes they're more it's more intense at certain times of the year. But good grooming is important, combing, brushing, and uh, good care is very important. All right. That is going to wrap us up for today. Thanks for everybody who called in with questions about their pets. Uh, Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving Mississippi's lands, waters, and wildlife. And from contributions from listeners like you. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman and our call screener was Sharita Brent. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned up next at 10. It's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.